Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Prayer can seem to be a mystery for many Christians, but it doesn't have to. Jesus provides a simple but powerful framework for a wonderful and effective prayer life in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Listen in and hear that prayer doesn't have to be difficult. I'm calling episode 37, Pray Like This. Something that all of us have to deal with in this digital age is passwords. Anytime you open a new account in an app, there has to be a password to allow future entry into the wonderful world of shopping on Amazon or eBay, or to access your email, your bank accounts, and your social media. With so much of our life taking place online, these passwords are very important to our survival and it becomes increasingly difficult to remember all these passwords because we are told that each one should be unique with a combination of upper and lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. There is some trepidation when we are asked for our password because there is no grace allowed. If you don't get it exactly right, you are denied access. Mess up enough times, and you can be locked out. There is no one behind the scenes that can say, Oh, I remember you from the time before. Go ahead and come on in. No, you have to get it 100% right, or you are 100% out in the cold. Many Christians feel much the same way about prayer. They know that prayer is important, but they aren't sure that they're doing it right. And a lot of teaching on prayer seems to add to the uncertainty. We don't want to do it wrong, do we? Well, we have come to the place in our study of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives us a framework for prayer. And nowhere in here does he threaten to lock us out if we do it wrong. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I would imagine that those who were listening as Jesus talked had quickly realized that what he was teaching was radically different from anything they had heard in their lifetime. He had upped the ante on what qualified as murder and adultery. 
He said, not only were we not to exact vengeance for the wrongs done to us, we were to pray blessings for those who had done us wrong. So when he got to the subject of prayer, they were probably expecting to get a list of phrases to repeat that would get the attention and garner the favor of the God who would expect such counterintuitive behavior from them. Instead, they got a sample prayer that lasted only a few seconds. The Jews in the audience had grown up bringing their sacrifices at the temple, and the priest would offer them to God. The Gentiles, who might have been listening, were used to being given magical incantations to say over and over in their worship of the many gods they lived in fear of. So when Jesus told them, pray like this, and offered this simple framework, once again, it was mind-blown. Prayer is something that even long-time believers struggle with. And even though there is no shortage of writings and teachings on prayer, it doesn't seem that the struggle gets any easier. I've heard teachers say things like, the answer to prayer is more prayer. What does that even mean? Some teach that if you don't begin your prayer the right way, God ignores everything you say after your incorrect opening. Some teach that if you get it right, God has to do everything you want him to do. Some get caught up in the techniques of prayer. For instance, you should stand for one type of prayer, kneel for another, and lay face down if you're seeking something else. And even though most teachers are trying to help us develop a satisfying and powerful prayer life, prayer seems only to become more mysterious and more complicated with all of this instruction. Jesus said, pray like this. He didn't say, pray this prayer. I once knew a man who would pray only what we call the Lord's Prayer because he believed that since Jesus prayed it, it was a perfect prayer. He could not be convinced to do any different. But that's not at all what Jesus is teaching. What he is giving us is a framework to enable us to talk to God regardless of our education level our cultural background, our nationality, or language. But before I go on, let me clear one thing up. I'm not saying that it is wrong to say the Lord's Prayer. It is said in many places and at many times. And if you are in a setting where you are asked to join in reciting the Lord's Prayer, join in. You are reciting Scripture, so why would that be wrong? What I'm saying is that the Lord's Prayer is not a substitute for your own personal time of prayer. So Jesus said, pray like this, and began by acknowledging God in heaven and his holiness. We should never forget that God is eternal. He has always been, and he always will be. He is the all-powerful creator of everything. He is all-knowing, and he is always present in every situation. We should never forget who God is, and we should always remember that we have been invited to come to him only through our relationship with Jesus. So we approach God with respect, but with the knowledge that he loves us and wants us to come to him. It doesn't give us permission to come to him flippantly or to take his power lightly. But we can rejoice that he is not testy and he is not thin-skinned. 
He won't smack us down if we offend him. His grace is more than we can imagine, but we must always approach God with ultimate respect and honor. Next, Jesus instructs us that our desire in our prayers should be that God's plan for mankind and his will for us would play out exactly as he has designed them in heaven. You know, if we indeed believe that God is eternal, all-knowing, and all-powerful, and that he is our loving Heavenly Father, why would we not want his plan to prevail? Being human, we tend to pray for outcomes that will please us. And that's okay, because we are like a child who is told he can't have a snack. He thinks his parent is being mean and doesn't care that he is starving. But he doesn't know that supper is coming soon with all the mac and cheese that he can eat. So the mature believer will ask for what they want, but will also trust in God's love and care for us and accept his will in the situation. This is the attitude that Jesus himself displayed in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed that if there was any way that he could avoid the crucifixion that awaited him, he'd sure like for that to happen, but then followed his desire with the mature statement of faith that his own desire is not important. God's will is what should prevail. As Jesus continues this brief and plainly worded example of the way we should pray, he touches on our basic needs. Give us the food we need. Soon he will say that we should not worry about tomorrow, for today has all the trouble we need to deal with. And being told to pray for today's food shows us that prayer is to be ongoing. We can't just say, please make sure I have plenty to eat for the rest of my life, and drop it at that. No, our conversation with him should only have brief pauses throughout our lifetime, similar to conversations you might have on a road trip with a best friend. Jesus indicates that we don't need to spend a lot of time praying for the material things we require to stay alive. In a future lesson, he'll tell us that we can assume that since he loves us, he's going to make sure we have what we need. But he moves on to the next matter, which is a little unsettling when you think of its implications. He says that we should ask for forgiveness of our sins at the same level that we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. This is a test of the sincerity of our relationship with Jesus. If we harbor unforgiveness toward others, but expect Jesus to forgive our transgressions against him, we show that we are just in this relationship for what we can get, and we want it without giving anything of our own. Our profession of belief in Jesus rings hollow when we expect forgiveness for our wrongdoing, but withhold it from others. God's grace is greater than our sin, but our capacity to offer forgiveness to those who have wronged us reveals the depth of love and trust that we have in Him. Harboring unforgiveness is a strong temptation, so Jesus adds that we should pray not to give in to temptation. The Apostle Paul found that God is faithful to answer this prayer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he writes, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. 
When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. We need not ever be overcome by the various temptations that come our way. So to wrap this up, the topic of prayer is one that can go in many different directions. But this simple outline of prayer, practiced regularly, will help you to draw closer and dearer in your relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this great gift. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the I'm Still Learning podcast. If you find this podcast interesting, won't you please share it with a friend? Also, let me know what you think. Find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Randy Whitlow, or send an email to rbwhitlow at me.com. Until next week, I'm Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.